0: Welcome to the Soul Talks podcast, where we equip pastors, leaders, and other men and women in ministry to thrive with Jesus in their life and leadership. Now let's join Bill and Christy Galtier, doctors in psychology, spiritual directors, and founders of Soul Shepherding. One of our friends is uh, Dale Sellers with the 95 Network, and he has a ministry to pastors that we so appreciate. And it was fun when Dale had me on his podcast, interviewed me on the topic of soul care for pastors and leaders. And this is one of the best podcasts that we've done, I think. And so we wanted to share it with you, our Soul Talks listening audience. And uh, you're going to see that this actually leads us into some experiences with soul care that I led, that we trust will be an encouragement for you and the people that you minister to.
1: Dale, tell us about our guest today.
2: Well, I, I met Bill vicariously <laughs> because uh, I, I, he had written an article that had these, some statistics about pastoral health and things yeah. that pastors were going through. And when I was writing Stalled, I actually wanted to include those. And again, I didn't know him, so I just sent an email and said, Hey, <laughs> could, could I use your stuff in my book? And he graciously yeah. agreed to do that. And then I learned more about soul shepherding and the ministry that he does. And, and I know his passion for health in the arena of ministers. And so I'm so thrilled to have Bill with us today.
0: Hey, thank you, Dale. It's fun to be on the ninety-five podcast with you, and thanks for uh, being a, a fellow a worker in the vineyard and caring for the the church and especially the small and mid-sized pastors. It's a huge, huge need, and, and love that you're you're reaching the ninety-five percent. Thank you, man. We love it.
1: Yeah, we do. Bill, what is something that you have either uh, celebrated or that you're excited for in this year of twenty twenty-one?
0: Well, I've got a new grandson. So that's like as awesome. good as it gets. <laughs> yeah. I do too, man. I'm two weeks old. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, uh, yeah, two months, two and a half months old. So got that's two awesome two little man. grandkids now, and uh, we're just with them yesterday. And so that's fun. I get to be Papa. Yeah. I love that's
1: it. It's hilarious. Uh, Dale, you go by Poppy. Is that Poppy, right? Yes. <laughs> that's awesome.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yes. Ain't nothing like being a grandpa. Yeah. yeah. I love awesome. it.
1: So Bill, we have a lot of stuff that we want to talk about. You actually came out with, or you're coming out with a new book here soon that we're really excited to talk about because it's all about the soul and the journey that God leads us on. But Bill, tell us a little bit about your story and kind of what, what led you into ministry and the journey that God has led you on to where you're at today.
0: Well, I'm a psychologist and I'm married to a doctor of psychology, uh, hmm. my wife, Christy Galtier. Uh, so we're a- uh, Power couple. We're, we're a, a paradox. <laughs>
2: Yeah. That's a paradox. Get that? I like that. So,
0: uh, we've been in in private practice as therapists and in the church world for decades. And so, I've been a church pastor in a mega church and a a church plant. And, seen it all, and that's been really important for me to go through uh, a growing church and a declining church and church splits and uh, just the stresses of ministry and experience that as a pastor, you know, in the boardroom and from the pulpit and with the people and and, uh, just in the trenches growing ministry and and discipling people. And uh, as I said, alongside of that all along, I've been doing the work of a therapist. And so what we did in Soul Shepherding uh, as we put the two together. And so we minister to pastors and leaders, and not so much as therapists who are coming in to uh, help in a crisis, but more on the area of wellness and training and spiritual direction to help pastors to grow and uh, mm-hmm. personally and in their relationships and yeah. to prevent crises.
1: Yeah.
2: Well. Yeah. Hey, I wanna ask you a question. Tell us a little bit about, as you were in ministry, specifically the church, uh, what were some of your low points? Well, I I think
0: seeing my name in the front page of the papers with bad things being said about me, they weren't true. Mm. Uh, when I was in a church as a spiritual formation pastor there and the church was uh, headed into bankruptcy and that was really hard. In a few different situations in church ministry, there's been more or less a church split and... Uh, where there's people on both sides that I really care for and love and have been serving with and have found that it's like going through uh, like a divorce, you know, in, your, in your, someone in your family or a close friend. And, uh, you know, I'm a peacemaker. Our ministry is soul shepherding. you know, <laughs> uh, And so I, I see the good in people and, and get along with people, but it's almost impossible to do that, Uh, in these situations where there's a church split, and uh, so people in the church will sort of tend to put you on one side or the other, and Mm -hmm. that's really uh, stressful and really sad, and it uh, affects relationships, and so, you know, we're getting a heavy dose of that in the pandemic, and we've had just a lot of divisiveness in the church, and I have pastors, Mm -hmm. you know, in our institute, and our retreats, and that we're working with uh, in spiritual direction, who are just really uh, getting eaten up by that and having trouble staying out of the fray and being put mm-hmm. into the progressive side or the traditional side. And, you know, it just, and they, they want to just pastor people, but they people are putting them into political corners. Yeah. Wow.
1: I mean, so obviously the two situations that you highlighted are very tough things that you went through, like to see, you know, your name, slandered, in a sense, and to walk through uh, a split like that or division like that. like How how did you walk through that, and what did you learn from those experiences, and why did you keep and stay with ministry?
0: Well, uh, I went through a burnout. Hmm. Actually, it was before this in my previous book to the one that's coming out, which is called Your Best Life in Jesus' Easy Yoke. Hmm. The theme on that is I was a burned-out pastor and counselor. And that's because I was relying just too much on my own strength and uh, overworking and trying to control things too much and had gotten out of, out of my sweet spot, but mostly just out of the dependence on God's grace. So I went through that experience uh, in our new book, Journey of the Soul. We talk about that as hitting the wall, and we can get into that and in talking about the Christ stages and how we tend to hit a wall in the middle there, uh, yeah. a faith crisis or a burnout. And uh, so in, in that case, you know, I got through the wall through a spiritual formation process and working with a spiritual director and uh, changing up my whole rhythm of life and, and going into a deep, much deeper inner journey personally. So having gone through that prior to these uh, challenges I talked about in, in the pastoral role in, in that very difficult season, it, it really helped me. So the way I say it is, you know, just from Jesus teaching in Matthew 11, but I had learned how to be in the easy yoke of Jesus. Yeah. And you know, Jesus doesn't promise us that life is easy. He says we're gonna have tribulation. Mm-hmm. You know, life is hard and there are things about being a Christian that make it even harder, You know, spiritual warfare and enemies and, and just the, the, the challenges of serving God. Uh, but Jesus gives us a way that's an easy way or an easier way of doing hard things. And so having that sense of God's presence and God's peace and having developed some habits around that in, in my prayer life and in how I do my work, it just really helped me. One example of that is, you know, when I went through being slandered, I, I prayed and I, I did what I like to do in trials, you know, because we none of us like going through trials. But when I can think about Jesus and just go through the gospels in my mind and just begin to pray, you know, Jesus, when... When did you experience something like this? Hmm. Out of love for me, and then when I when I can find that and see where, yeah, Jesus was slandered and he was spoken badly of, and he endured that with uh, the love of the Father and uh, blessing his his enemies, and he did that in part out of love for me, and so that that creates a uh, an awareness and appreciation of a of a certain intimacy there with. My Lord, and then I can look at how He dealt with those situations, even as the Son of God in His humanity, how He relied on God's presence and God's power. He didn't act on His own, and so that helps me to then deal with that situation in that way, and and have a greater sense of God's peace in the midst of the challenge. Hmm.
1: Why is it so common for ministry leaders to burn out?
0: Well, I you know I think the way I would answer that question is because there, the the work of the church is so important, and there's so much of it to do. I mean, it's endless. There are always more needs that people have. There are always more people in the city to reach, and there there are more things that we can do as leaders to improve our ministry and grow our church. And I mean, it's so important, right? It's about eternity. <laughs> I wanted,
2: is. I just want to raise my hand, and say, "Pick me, pick me, pick me." I have an answer. <laughs> Because it, it, I think, too, to go exactly with what Bill's saying, we lead a volunteer army. And we can look at people and say, we are going to go do this. And they can cross their arms and say, no, we're not. <laughs> and, and then what do you do? You know, it, it, everything depends on your ability to lead, which is to cast vision and, and help people uh, to see the big picture. And if you're not healthy, how in the world are you going to create a healthy place, you know? Big <laughs> me, pick me. <laughs> I'm just yeah. like it's hardly in volunteers.
0: Yeah, especially when you've when you got a smaller church. You know, I've been through the drill of setting up church every Sunday and mm. you know, all, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, if the flyer's gonna go out, I'm gonna write it and, and maybe I'm gonna be the one to clean the toilet too. Mm-hmm. And right. and so yeah, it's jack of all trades and it can be exhausting. And so in the midst of the urgency of all that, we're we're prone to rely on our own self. Rely on our own abilities, mm-hmm. and so uh, in the journey of the soul, we call that the R stages. We've got uh, six stages of faith uh, for emotional and spiritual growth that we call Christ stages, and the the common stage that that we're in in pastoral ministry because everything about leading and growing a church calls us there is uh, the stage of responsibilities and ministry. And in that stage, we're using our gifts to serve God and to help other people, but. Um, We haven't learned as much yet about doing the, the work that we're doing for God. We haven't learned so much about how to do that with God. Mm. Yeah, That comes along later, usually after we hit the wall <laughs> and do some <laughs> inner journey work, and that's the I stage. Yeah. Uh, and then after some time in the I stage, which is a lot of deepening of self-awareness and working through some emotional stuff and cultivating intimacy with God, maybe meeting with a spiritual director or counselor and, uh, you know, growing in your, your life and your character, then we can come into what we call the the S stage of spirit-led ministry And that actually takes us back to the activity of the R stage, because the I stage is usually a quiet season. Mm -hmm. You know, when we hit a burnout or a blowout, we, we need to pause and we need to reset, we need to pray, we need to reflect. We need to learn some things, get some help. But then there's a deepening of God's grace that works in us if, if we cooperate with it. And a lot of times yeah. we don't, you know, we get scared by that wall and we, mm-hmm. we, we kind of try to revert back to the way things were and That's back to normal. when I felt good before and felt God's presence or when I was successful before. And I'll just do those things. Yep but it, does, it doesn't work. We can't really go back because this is a journey and the Lord's wanting to lead us into a new and deeper spirituality. And so if we, we'll do the inner journey work in that I stage of the Christ stages, then we can begin to come into this season of spirit-led ministry. And that's back to the the easy yoke stuff I was talking about a few minutes ago. That's what that stage is all about. And so that's what I was, uh, I was really learning that and deepening in that when I, I went through those trials of being slandered and and, uh, you know, the declining church and the church split and that, that sort of thing.
2: I'm sitting yeah, here you know, thinking, I'm sitting, <laughs> well, I'm just sitting here thinking, your wife's name's is Christy, is that correct? Yes. Yeah. I'm sitting here thinking, uh, we need to get Bill and Christy to read my book <laughs> and, then, and then get me in for help <laughs> and get me in for some counseling because I'm sitting here going, I, I was in all that mess. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: Right. It's common. It was, it's yeah. common, though. It is yeah. common. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So. So Bill, kind of walk us a little deeper on, you know, you started talking through the Christ stages and the kind of map there, but what was the idea behind um, your new book, Journey of the Soul? And what's the, the key message there for, for leaders?
0: Well, yeah, well, talking to uh, pastors, we just say, you know, everybody in your church is in one of these Christ stages. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The people listening to your sermons, the people in your small groups, the people that you're, you're counseling. And when you know the language of the stages... Hmm. And, you, you know, the language of the feelings and the, the different expressions of faith in each of those stages, it, it turns the lights on for you. And what we teach is that in, in the different stages, there are different spiritual disciplines and different soul care practices that are likely to be most helpful. Hmm. But a lot of us try to use the same spiritual disciplines, the same sort of rhythm, usually kind of where we started or the tradition we were taught in. And we, we try to stay with that. The problem is it, it works for a while, But then it doesn't have the same effect because there's a whole range of spiritual practices and different ones have different effects on us. And in a combination, they have different effects on us. So so we titrate and and point those disciplines to the different stages so that people know how to better cooperate with the work of the Spirit in that stage. So when you as a pastor can speak the language of the people who, who you're ministering to, and give give them words for what they're experiencing, and and give them options. I mean, it is it is so life giving.
1: Hmm. Absolutely, I
2: mean, that's good. Your ministry is much more impactful and much more helpful when it's actually felt felt needs versus just intellectually teaching a new series. You know, actually connecting with people with what they're going through, what they're dealing with, you know. And I wanted to ask you this, so Bill, can a pastor, how how honest can a pastor be with their congregation about what they're working through?
0: Yeah, that's a great question, Dale. And so the way we approach that in soul shepherding, particularly in our institute training program, is we teach pastors that um, as a speaker, self-disclosure is like super effective for connecting with your audience. And, uh, you know, they probably look at you with some respect as a pastor. And so when you're vulnerable, that that helps make you relatable. However, there's a big caution on that for us as speakers that if if we... If we run to that um, self-disclosure sort of as a, a an engagement technique to make our message more effective, but but we're not ready for it, it can be damaging for our soul and it can actually have a negative inf- impact on our listeners. So what we teach at our institute is that we we, we want as pastors and uh, even you know in our even in our blog and our podcasts like this, you know, whenever we're ministering to people, we want the things that we share to be things that we first of all shared with our spiritual director or friend, someone that we, as our safe place, that's the first place to share the personal stuff where there's been a wound or brokenness or, or a struggle or sin issue. We need to work that through with the Lord and with uh, in the scriptures and a safe person that he provides us with. And, and then as we've experienced some help, and some healing, we don't need to be all, we're not going to be all the way healed up or all the way mature in this right. life. But mm-hmm. as we've received some grace in an area, yeah. I think then, to, you know, to share that in our ministry makes it so effective. But if we hmm. don't do it that way, then unwittingly, we can end up using our audience like our therapist. Yeah. And they might really like it from the standpoint of, of the connection and the vulnerability, and, and it might feel humble to them to make the pastor feel relatable, but it, it's a house of cards that's going to fall apart
2: they're going to hmm. basically they're going to turn on you <laughs> at some point. They're going to turn on you because they're looking for yeah. you to be this, you know, yeah, thank God you're real and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, you also need to be the leader. Uh, yeah. we all talk, and I know we got a lot of other things we want to get into, but I just talk to the pastor right now that doesn't have that friend. Well, I remember when I was pastoring for the small church for 12 years and I have a great relationship with my family, great relationship with my wife. I had I had, I had board members that they, they, they want to be my buddies but i really didn't have anybody to turn to and i spent so many days on the floor of my office crying for a friend cuz i you know you, you got to be you got to be careful who you share your stuff with cuz some people will turn on you so so mm-hmm. somebody's listening right now and they're thinking well thank you bill i'd love to do that i don't have anybody what would you say to
0: them yeah uh, one of those statistics Dale, uh, about pastors is that 70% don't have a close friend mhm uh, that's, 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 that's a lot of aloneness there. And yeah, you're articulating the challenge in, in that, you know, uh, pastoral work is relational. And so it's all about friendship in a way. What mm-hmm. we're doing is we're, we're ministering to people in a relational context and, and we make that friendly. Mm-hmm. However, that's not the same as having a friend for me. And there sometimes pastors get confused on that. So we need to be careful about how, how much we're vulnerable with or depending on somebody in our church, because our first priority in that relationship is to lead them and pastor mm-hmm. them. And so that's why we put those qualifications on self-disclosure. It's not just for the pulpit, but it's even for friendship. So, so yeah, the, the ideal friend for a pastor or a leader is probably another pastor or leader at a different church. Or at a different uh, area of of life, and it is hard to find people like that. And so, one of the things that we teach is: well, the way to find a friend like that is to be a friend like that. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, finding a, a fellow pastor or leader or a spiritual guide, and you know, calling on them and offering to be a friend—it's as simple as going out for coffee. I, I know I've done this many times, and. It brings me back to feeling like I'm a a little kid and I'm going over to my neighbor's house and I'm pushing on the doorbell, you know, Mm -hmm. Alex, can you can you play today? You know, and it's like you might say no and you feel rejected. But I think that that asking is important to establish those relationships and. You know, we we pray for a friend and and that's an important thing is to pray for that soul friend. Mm -hmm. And the last thing I would say is that sometimes a way to sort of find a friend and maybe even learn better how to how to be a soul friend and how to cultivate a, a relationship that's honest and caring is to meet with uh, a spiritual director or a counselor Mm -hmm. who's very specialized and you have a a confidential setting to share. You know, and I know, Dale, you do some of that work. I do that work. We have spiritual directors on our staff that care Mm -hmm. for pastors and leaders, because it's so valuable when you can just mark out a time on your calendar and say, I'm going to have this conversation. It's confidential. I'm going to get great listening. I'm going to get great empathy and questions, and someone's going to pray for me and and help me connect with God's presence and help me be a a better leader and a better
2: minister. I want to double down on this for just a second, because the Holy Spirit is bringing this up in me. Uh, I I attend a large church here in our area, and I'm very connected to a lot of the staff and the lead team and and guys like that. And last week I was having lunch with one of the pastors and I made the statement to him and it caught him off guard. But I said to him, I said, listen, um, I want you to understand something. None of you ever reach out to me to go to lunch. None of you ever contact me about getting breakfast together. I said, I do that because I want to, I want to be in relationship with you, but I know how busy all of you are. And, and 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 see I, when I said that he was shocked by that because we all have a great rapport, we have a great relationship they a lot of these guys look up to me a lot of these guys were friends, but they it just doesn't cross their mind and the point of sharing that is this. Uh, it's not enough to make the excuse, well, they never reach out to me. Just get over yourself and go hang out with people, (laughs) you know, because none of them go, oh, hey, I don't want to hang out with you. (laughs) You know, it's just a matter. It doesn't cross their mind. And honestly, the younger generation or the next generation, they don't appreciate or or value those relationships kind of the way we did. And so we just can't write that off. Pursue them and pursue those opportunities so you're not alone. Okay, I'm done. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it takes it takes initiative to develop relationships. You got to. Yeah. Yeah. You got to. It's
1: good. So Bill, uh, walk us through, you you highlighted some of them, but walk us through each of the Christ stages. And also something really interesting you said is that spiritual practices that are most beneficial in each of those stages actually shift as we uh, walk along that journey. So kind of like explain to us what that means and what that looks like.
0: Yeah, so uh, in The Journey of the Soul, uh, this is our new book uh, that Revelle has published. So we've got six stages of faith, and we call them Christ stages. And Christ is an acronym. And we found that the acronym was really valuable as a way of holding together the knowledge. Because if all you have is numbers for the stages, it's kind of hard to remember what that number means. But when you have an acronym, it's pretty easy to memorize the stages. And then when you're sitting with somebody, you can consider with the Lord, what stage might this person be in? And it guides your questions and then it guides how you respond and even as you're preparing, you know, a message or a teaching. So the uh, the C stage is confidence in Christ. And so this is where we're, we're born from above, and we receive the life of God, and it's through Jesus, and we put our trust in Him, and we begin this journey. And the symbol for that stage that we use is the church, because usually that happens in, in, uh, in community, in the body of Christ, uh, in a church, uh, through a pastor or a small group or Uh, some uh, representative of a church sharing with us. And then the H stage is help in discipleship. And this is where we're getting help from. Uh, might be a, our, our pastor, it might be a, a, some sort of a mentor or a friend, a teacher. But or when we're young, our parents. But we're learning the uh, the beginning spiritual disciplines, how to read our Bible, and that's the symbol we use for the H stage is a Bible because we're digging into God's Word, we're learning God's truth, we're learning uh, the Scriptures teach us how to pray, you know, and so many things, you know, daily quiet times and getting in a small group, many of the basic disciplines that are foundational to being a Christian, we're beginning to learn that in in the H stage and and grow in community. And then the R stage is responsibilities in ministry. And that's where we're discovering our, our gifts that God has given us and how we can serve the Lord, the different talents that we have and ways that we can make a difference. In our book, Journey of the Soul, we call these joy gifts. Because yeah. the, the the gifts that the, the scriptures outline, uh, Paul in particular in his his letters, when when we're using those gifts and we're in that sweet spot of uh, relying on on God's gifting of us, it gives us joy. It's very mm-hmm. fulfilling to do God's work and and to help people in that way and and make a difference. That that's a big deal, you know. Learning how to serve God and you know in our churches. Uh, like you were saying, Dale, you know it's a uh, for you pastors listening. You, you got a volunteer army, uh, and so you you're you're bringing people into that our stage. You you need people that want to serve, they want to help, and yep. uh, certainly using their gifts and and sometimes just helping out of love in, in an area that might not be our giftedness. You know, going out and feeding mm-hmm. the homeless and washing feet. You know, we need to do that stuff too. And Jesus, our Lord, uh, models that for us. So after some years, though, in the R stage, usually we hit the wall. Sometimes we hit the wall before the R stage, but where we see it most commonly is in the R stage and usually maybe late 30s, early 40s, uh, you know, again, if it hasn't happened sooner, because we might hit the wall more than once. Uh, these stages are not linear. It's cyclical. <laughs> I was
1: going to say, I think I've already hit a lot of walls in my life. So.
0: <laughs> yeah, and, we, and, you know, Austin, we do have some, some old souls You know, you you might be one of the Mm -hmm. old souls that uh, one one of my daughters is very much an old soul, you know, in her early 20s. But she's uh, very deep in in inner journey spirituality that usually comes about around 40, if ever. So, yeah, yeah, when we hit that wall, you know, that could be like uh, from overworking and burning out, as we've said. For some people, it's a a moral failing where they just, you know, the, the sanctification gap got really big and... They they um, weren't they weren't living out their values. Uh, other people, it's compassion fatigue from just you know absorbing so much pain and caring so much. Other times, it's a faith crisis. You know, why does a good God allow all this suffering? And just feeling, like I just can't. I'm just doubting now. Is it really all true? Or and and maybe the most common thing of all is like spiritual dryness, where we're just mm-hmm. not feeling God's presence like we used to. And then that can create a lot of, of questions and disorientation. So at that wall, there's a, there's a lot of turbulence. And a lot of people that we talk to, they they feel like what I've said so far is the whole Christian life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when they hit the wall, they just need to go back you know, to step, step one and try to redo that. And then they have a mm-hmm. lot of trouble getting back the feeling and the, the closeness with God and the meaning that they had before when they just kind of go back. That's true. Other people sort of end up, you know, serving God. You know, they're in that R stage, but they've hit the wall. And so what they end up living for is sort of like seeing God use them and seeing other people get ignited and energized in the C and H and R stages and in that in that growth process. And the American church is pretty good at, at helping people come to Christ and learn beginning disciplines and get active in ministry, you know, C, H, R stages. Mm-hmm. We kind of keep, keep people going through that and, and we do pretty well at that. And so a lot of times as, as a pastor, I can find my, myself living for that sense of, of feeling that, that God is, is using me and other people are growing and I'm being appreciated. And, and I'm so I'm, I'm just kind of soaking that in and then it helps me feel close to God. And we call that living off of the splashback. Hmm. It's like, you know, living waters of God are pouring yeah. through me to other people, but then it kind of splashes back onto it's me and I pr- try to lap a little bit of it up. <laughs> yeah. I like. And there's that certainly worse things than picture. we could do than this. I mean, this is what we're, this is good, but it's not good soul care and it's not sustainable yeah. And so, what the work of the Spirit is doing at the wall, uh, God is cultivating in us a, a, a deeper spirituality, a deeper intimacy with God, and where we're, we need to ask these questions and wrestle through these issues and feel these emotions and and search the Scriptures in a different way. And we need to learn to to quiet ourselves, and we need to, we need a, a definitely an extended season a slowing down ministry activity. Maybe we need to go on a sabbatical. That's one of our our primary soul shepherding ministries. We've got a sabbatical guide program for pastors, and we just take them through a season of a few months of reflection and and reevaluation, and not only around their leadership, but especially around their soul and their intimacy with God, so that we can cultivate the, the I stage in, in the Christ stages is the, the inner journey spirituality. And that's what the spirit is, is leading us to is this deeper experience and, and awareness of our needs and our brokenness, yeah. our struggles and shortcomings and how to bring that into God's presence and how to receive God's grace more deeply. And so to, to do that, we need, we need to learn some different spiritual practices like contemplative prayer, maybe, or ways of meditating on Scripture, going into solitude, making use of a spiritual director or a soul friend where we're receiving empathy and we're finding God in that. And, and all these things I'm talking about begin to foster a deeper longing for God a heart that's yearning for God and an intimacy with God. And that's where you know the inner journey is, is really uh, taking off and your roots are deepening in the Lord. And what that then does is it creates a new base and a new uh, source of power and fruitfulness in the S stage of the Christ stages of spirit-led ministry. And so the symbol we talk about here is a sailboat because we put out our sail and we, we catch the wind of the Spirit. And it's a lot, mm-hmm. it's it, in one sense, like I was saying before, it's very similar to the R stage because the outwardly, the activity might look the same. We can be, we can return to a, a lot more outward activity of responsibilities and service and ministry in the S stage, but our way of doing it is slower. It's more prayerful. It's, it's not so ego yeah. involved. We've learned some things and developed some habits around being in the easy oak of Jesus. So that gives us more more power, more more grace power. Grace isn't just unmerited favor. It is that. But it's also God's power. And that's what we, we get in the easy yoke. So like that sailboat, we're powered by the wind in the S stage. And there's like a, a fresh anointing and, and, a, and a greater joy that we get in our ministry. A lot of times we, we realize that, you know, I, hey, I'm a wounded healer. I've got these wounds. I've got these areas of brokenness. But God has mm-hmm. met me there. And Now, out of that, I can I can overflow with this this message and this way of being with people that really reaches them. That's a really sweet season and expression of ministry when we we can work through that wall and, and get out that shovel. The shovel is the symbol of the inner journey and do that inner journey work and then get into the S stage. Yeah. And then you know if we're if we're fortunate, we might ex- also experience T stage spirituality and that's transforming union. And that that comes down to things like. Uh, really learning to practice God's presence, uh, being in a position where we're we're ready to bless those that curse us and to endure suffering with joy because it's drawing people to Jesus and where it's the fellowship of Christ's sufferings, like Paul talks about. and and in the T stage, even when we're not feeling God's presence or we're not experiencing consolation, we have a sense of purposefulness. And a a settled contentment around our life that we have a knowing of God's goodness and God's mercy and that God is with us. And so we don't get so readily derailed or destabilized by those trials because we've been seasoned and our roots have been deepened. And we've learned a lot about doing the work of ministry, not only for God, but with God.
1: Hmm. That's so good. It makes me think, Dale, of, uh, and I'm sure you're thinking of the same thing, but learning to do <laughs> ministry from Jesus instead of for Jesus, uh, which is a key aspect of stalled. But it sounds almost like the first three stages are really kind of in that, you know, for Jesus kind of stage, right? Where we're learning the practices. We're really trying to, you know, we're serving. We're really trying to, um, you know, learn these things. And then after we move past that wall is really when we learn to shift that and start ministering from Jesus instead of for Him. Um, that's at least where my brain went to. Yeah, that, that's, that's does right. Does that resonate?
0: Yeah, yeah. We, 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 we say it pretty much the same way. We talk about working for God, mm-hmm. which is always a good thing. We always want to work for God, but we want to learn to also work with God. Yeah. And that's in the second it. half, we, we've learned to do it with God, not only as a, like a value or, or an idea, but as an operational habit.
1: Yeah.
2: So I want to give you a real-life scenario and get you to give counsel here. So I hear, are there pastors who are listening right now and say, Bill, that's wonderful, that's great, but the church that I pastor would never give me a sabbatical. They would never let me take that time off, and I know I'm not healthy, and I don't know what to do. What would you tell him?
0: One thing I would say is uh, I'd like to talk with your elders and see if we actually can get you approved for a sabbatical. And we've got tools and Bible teaching to help get approved for a sabbatical. Mm-hmm. But, you know, a sabbatical isn't the be-all and end-all. It's not the mm-hmm. cure-all of everything. And some pastors don't get a sabbatical. So I love your question. And so, you know, the foundation of my own rhythm of life that I I developed after I hit the wall is a weekly Sabbath.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah.
0: And taking a day a week where I do no work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you where know, did you me, come up
2: with that concept?
1: Yeah, is yeah, that yeah like, I know. Isn't that something? I mean, it's novel.
2: Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> that's, not, like the, that's, not Amer- that's not an American thing, is it? <laughs>
1: yeah. is there a, isn't there
0: like a command about that somewhere in the Bible? Yeah, it's like the most repeated command in the Bible. But it actually took me some years of practicing to learn to actually live that way. Mm-hmm. Even though I knew about the Sabbath, the challenge is that in our culture today, because, as you, as you joked, uh, Dale, Sabbath is so like un-American, mm-hmm. and and really un-American Christian or un-Western Christian. We're we're just so into working and working fast and and bigger and better and you know our technology and uh, our leadership strategies and all this. Which I mean, it's good stuff, but. it it gets into a lot of self-reliance and and a lack of rest and a lack of abiding in God's presence. So in order to get into that second half uh, of the Christ stage of spirituality, we we need to do some practices of of rest and of slowing. And so that's what the Sabbath is for. And we learned that, uh, and and I had a conversation with Dallas Willard, uh, who was a personal mentor to me for many years, and uh, mm-hmm. this is something that he taught was that we, we learn Sabbath rest through extended solitude and silence. Wow. And so, you know, whatever pastors, whoever's listening to us now, you can practice solitude and silence. And you can start with a half hour. You can build to an hour. You can mm-hmm. build into some hours, even four or five hours at a time. Some pastors, that's very intimidating, and and so it helps to do that with other people, and with someone you know to mentor you in that. And that's something that we do in soul shepherding our in our institute retreats and our spiritual directors. We do it with you to help you learn how. What we, how we say it is: we want to help you learn how to do something that helps you do nothing, because the idea of Sabbath rest is to do nothing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, no activity, no work, in order. Uh, to to worship God, of course, which is the biggest something of all, mm-hmm. but that's not something we produce. It's our response to God's presence and God's grace and God's word. So there are some things that we can do that help us to to rest in God's presence. And so, you know that's things like Alexio Divina, or being quiet for five minutes as a prayer of the heart and doing some deep breathing, hmm. or bringing in there, a breath prayer, like the, the famous ancient one, you know, the Jesus prayer, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me, and repeating that to, to try to push away the distracting thoughts that keep coming or the restlessness and just slowly saying, Jesus, have mercy on me. Hmm. Jesus, have mercy on me. And it's not just the the thinking but we're trying to get that that thought, which comes from uh, Luke and a few different times, the tax collector in the temple and the, the blind man cry out to Jesus, Lord, have mercy on me. Uh, it's a, a refrain in the Psalms, the Kyrie Elysian, Lord, have mercy on me. So we're praying the words of Scripture here, but we're, we're, we're praying them slowly to try to get the word of God down into our heart mm-hmm. and into our will. So we're actually now ab- abiding in God's presence and choosing to, to love God, and, and we want to begin to get into a place that's like deeper than thinking. And it, it's, it's choosing, it's, it's being, it's, it's experiencing. And so we, we practice spiritual disciplines like that, and these, these fit with the I stage. That's, that's what I'm getting at. They don't fit so much with the C and H and R stages. Sometimes we maybe can appetize people there, but in, in those early stages, what I'm talking about just seems unproductive and confusing, and it's very difficult to be silent. But when you hit the wall and all those disciplines that you were doing before aren't working the same way, you, you get open to trying some different things and you realize that you, you need to wrestle through some questions. You need to feel some things mm-hmm. and you need to learn how to be still and know the Lord. Psalm forty six
2: ten. Let me just tell you what you're stirring up in me, because <laughs> I think it's going to speak to some of our pastors. Uh, my dad worked all the time. I grew up mm-hmm. with a dad who was a house builder doing construction, and so Bill, I felt guilty when I was sick. I felt guilty. I, I, I could never finish reading a book because reading a book was not working. It was. It was. It was. You're not doing. You're not using your hands. You're not doing something. And I literally would feel guilty. I watched my father as he walked out to work, throw up on the side of the mm-hmm. beside the truck, and get in the truck and go to work. I think that's where a lot of our pastors are. And so when you talk about silence for five minutes, I can feel it, man. They're like getting a heebie-jeebies. <laughs> you mean you want me to be quiet or be still for five minutes? Can you go ahead and just give them permission to do that and tell them it's okay? Mm,
0: it is okay. And that's why we, t- we teach something that we call breath prayers from the Bible. And we have some of these in Journey of the Soul also in our earlier book, Your Best Life in Jesus, Easy Yoke. But it's simple things like um, praying the word of the Lord. Be still and know Mm -hmm. that I am God. You know, just as you're listening, let's just pray this together for a moment. And if you would, just breathe in deep with me. It's just a, a way of slowing down our breathing to be present in the moment and to seek to pray. It's amazing when we slow down our breathing and breathe in deep, filling our lungs with air, breathing out. And then now as I breathe in the word of the Lord, be still, know that I am God. Breathing out Breathing in, be still and know that I am. Be still and know. Be still. thank you lord that we can be in your presence jesus we see you in this mode even in the the storm at the sea of galilee in the boat we can see you there napping you're really resting rain is pouring down winds are whipping waves are thrashing the boat and you're at peace the disciples, the burly fishermen, experienced seamen, are terrified the boat's going to go down. And you're napping in Abba Father's arms. You're at peace. You're trusting your Father, who is the sovereign Lord. You're relaxed. And then awakened, you, you stand in the boat and you calm the storm. Peace. Be still. And Lord, we just speak that word right now to each listener, each Mm. pastor, each leader, each person. Peace, Jesus says, peace. Be still. We can see you, Jesus, at peace. The smile of God on your face. And we receive that peace. Give us that miracle, Lord. Mm -hmm. how we see the miracle. You're the son of God and you calm the storm and it's awesome. We worship you, but maybe we miss the hidden miracle that you know how to be calm in storms. Not because you're faking to sleep and you're just waiting for the last minute to calm the storm, but because you're, that's how much you trust your father and he's in charge. Thank you, Lord, for your peace. We need that peace. And Lord, I pray for each of the listeners who don't have a safe friend.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And this is a big part of what we're talking about is with the, the restlessness and the, the frenetic pace that we can carry and all the responsibility and the weights and the stress, especially in this pandemic. So difficult. And and some of us listening, you know, it, what, what I'm talking about sounds nice, but we don't we don't really know how to do this. And I think it's probably because we really need to experience catharsis. We need to experience the emotional release that comes when we we open up our heart to you, like the psalmist, search me and know me, O God. Know my heart, test me, know the anxious parts of me. See if there's any offensive way in me. Lead me in your life, your everlasting life. So I pray for each of the listeners, Lord, that you would Help them into this greater intimacy with you through your word and through prayer, but also through safe relationships in the body of Christ, through another pastor or leader or a spiritual director, someone that would listen to them on your behalf, with you, Lord, to listen and empathize. So, so that our listeners can de-stress and experience the peace that passes all understanding that comes through relationship with you, and in a a love-one-another context. Thank you, God, in Jesus' name.
1: Amen. That was awesome. There's one of the things I see a counselor every single month, and one of the things that they taught me is box breathing, and it's breathing. I started at four seconds, but you're supposed to... She tells me that I'm supposed to get better at it as I I do it, but I'm still at four (laughs) seconds, but... Anyways, you you breathe in for four seconds, you hold it for four seconds, you breathe out for four seconds, you hold mm-hmm. it for se- for four seconds, and you keep doing that. And that's been a really uh, healthy practice for me. When I even even if it's just five minutes, when I start to feel overwhelmed, or when I start yeah. to feel uh, like all the weight's on my shoulders, or that I'm the one who needs to be in control, I I've learned and still learning to implement that and just use that as a moment, whether it's to meditate on a truth, whether it's to just be quiet, and even if nothing happens, it's just calming my soul, or it's allowing God to speak to me. That's just been a practice that felt very similar to what we all just experienced, but it's just giving ourselves the space to calm our soul. I think it's a powerful, a powerful rhythm to be in.
2: Yeah,
0: that's a great I-stage discipline.
2: Hmm. Bill, thank you so much for being with us today, and especially for what you just did at the end, because that's very unpodcasty. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I loved it because yeah, we're what we're about at ninety five Network is trying to come up with practical advice, solutions, ways to help our pastors be healthy, yeah. because we believe a healthy pastor can create a healthy church, but an unhealthy pastor will probably have an unhealthy church. And so, mm-hmm. uh, just thank you for following the leading of the Lord and modeling for us there. Uh, I have a feeling some guys are going back and play that over and over and over. Mm. and just to begin to experience it. Because, I mean, the whole time you're you're praying there, I'm seeing Jesus in the boat, you know, just laying there snoozing, you know. So that was yeah. good. Man. So yeah, thank you so much. You're welcome. For being with us today, for sharing your book, for sharing your heart and your life. And thank you so much for what you do to help pastors. It means so much.
1: Uh, yeah. Well, Bill, I'd love for you to just share just as we close out where people can get a copy of Journey of the Soul uh, and even just get in touch with you guys.
0: Yeah. So we're Bill and Christy Galtier. And our ministry is Soul Shepherding. Our podcast is Soul Talks. Hmm. And uh, the book is Journey of the Soul. And the best way to learn about that, I mean, it's wherever books are sold, Amazon or wherever, you can order right now. And we also have a leader guide that goes with that for leading small groups. But if you go to our dedicated website, journeyofthesoul.org. And you will find uh, that it's all for pastors and church leaders and mission workers, and so it is full of resources. We've got free videos from Christy and and me to introduce six different small group sessions. We've got free sermon and message notes for for pastors to prepare, uh, get them started on preparing messages that go along with uh, our book, Journey of the Soul. We've actually got free uh, playlists of Christian worship songs. These are contemporary Christian songs. Hmm. And we've got a playlist for each of the Christ stages plus the wall. So that's seven stages, 25 songs in each stage amazing our poets without even knowing the christ stages Mm -hmm. intuitively these gifted artists are creating songs that the lyrics and even the the beat fit the stage and so you can pull out some of those songs and play them in church and that helps to intentionally sort of teach the the stages because you want to you want to help everybody in your church know that there's a place for them, whatever stage they're in. And we want everybody to understand each other, empathize with each other, and celebrate all of those stages because all the stages are good. We can love God and our neighbor equally well at any stage, and that's our one purpose in life that Jesus gave us. And so that, mm-hmm. that's a big thing, a big message in Journey of the Soul is, is unity. And so that website, journeythesoul.org will give you those resources. You can find the leader guide on there. You can find our Soul Talk cards on there and and a lot of other stuff. Did you know that Journey of the Soul was number one on Amazon for 30 days among Christian counseling new releases? We have a leader guide to go with Journey of the Soul that helps with leading a small group or uh, going through the book with a friend or just getting uh, some deeper insights from the book. and then. We also have Soul Talk cards that go through each of the Christ stages with Bible verses and Soul Talk questions. Uh, We also have free videos on there to help you with your uh, leading a small group uh, or going deeper into the material. We also have uh, sermon notes if you're a pastor or a Bible study teacher. Uh, So you'll find all those resources on journeyofthesoul.org. Thank you for joining us on the Soul Talks Podcast. To find out more about growing in your life and leadership, subscribe to the podcast and visit us at soulshepherding.org.